In the Bible, we often see or read the phrase, the Word of God or the Word of the Lord. The Word of God can and does have several meanings. It can be referenced in a number of ways. The phrase, the Word of God, should be revered and adhered to by every individual that has lived, is living, or will live in the future. Tonight, we're going to look at five ways the Word of God can be illustrated. One way or one meaning that is very obvious is simply something that God said or decreed. When God decrees or says something, His words cause things to happen. We do not have to look far into the Bible to see this illustrated very well. Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible reads, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What happened? Verse 3 tells us, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. At face value, that seems relatively simple. But the next time you're about to enter into a dark room, instead of flipping a switch, try commanding the light to appear and see what you get. In the next several verses, we see where God spoke and whatever he said happened. Exodus 20 and verse 11 sums it up like this. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Psalms 33 and verse 6 phrases it like this. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Sometimes we read that and it really doesn't sink in exactly what occurred there. In our world today, we have and see a lot of things that exhibit power. We see people who train, we see people who train and exercise to the extent that they can do almost superhuman things. We see machinery that can do amazing feats. We have computers that are so sophisticated that provide us with unlimited knowledge. Unfortunately, we also have bombs and explosive devices that can destroy beyond recognition. All of these illustrate powerful things. But what or who do you know that can simply speak and it immediately happens? Nobody. Think about that type of power. Have you ever said something like, I wish I could do this or I wish I could make that happen? God doesn't have to wish. He simply speaks and it is done. That is power. We do not understand that kind of power. Can you imagine having to be careful what you say? No, we can't imagine that. The Word of God or the thing that God says exemplify, <clears throat> excuse me, the Word of, <clears throat> excuse me, the Word of God or the things that God says exemplify power beyond any human recognition. God's Word sustains and upholds the universe, Hebrews 1 verse 3. His word has caused things to come into existence, it has caused things to maintain, and it allows things to continue. The spoken word of God is just one of the many things about God that we as humans cannot truly contemplate. The word of God can also mean something that God verbally addressed to someone. In Genesis 2 verses 16 and 17 we read, and the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. 
Another example in Exodus 20, verse 1 through 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. This actually brings up a curious thought, the voice of God. What does the voice of God sound like? As humans, we have and we hear many different voices. Some are soft and subtle. Some are harsh and loud. Some are high-pitched. Some are deep. My dad had a deep, strong voice. I remember one occasion when we were having a Christmas party at one of my cousin's houses, and my dad dressed up as Santa. When he came into the room with his ho, 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 all the small children cried and hid, including my sister. I've always been a little envious of that strong, powerful voice, but I'm glad that my voice doesn't scare little children. But think about the voice of God. We've already mentioned his power, now let's consider his holiness. When Moses approached the burning bush where God was, he was told to take off his shoes because the ground was holy just from God's presence. Exodus 3, verses 2 through 5. Exodus 33:20 20 tells us, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Exodus 20, 18 and 19 reads, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Now, if humans cannot see God's face and live, and if his voice caused such terror in the Israelites, how did he speak with someone? I don't know. Obviously, with Adam, God took some form that was not formidable, and he spoke very softly. Now, one thing is for sure. If God speaks to you, you will, you will without any doubt know that it is him. You will not have to wonder if you are dreaming or in a trance. It will be very obvious. The word of God can also refer to that which was spoken through the prophets. These men were chosen vessels to relate what God wanted someone to know. These words consisted of ordinary language, but they did not consist of ordinary precepts. In Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 20, we read this. I will, raise up from, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. How would you like to be one of God's prophets? A good example that no man has the authority to alter God's words in any way. God used the prophets to relay his message. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 verse 7, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command of you, you shall speak. It's interesting to note that God did not want excuses from his chosen prophets. He expected them and he expects us to do the things we are capable of doing. Very early in Jewish history, we see Moses, 
who eventually became one of the greatest leaders of God's people and an antitype of Christ, offer excuse after excuse as to why he could not do what God asked of him. We see Jonah who literally tried to run from God just to avoid from doing what God had told him to do. We also see what happened to Jonah. Vomiting is bad enough, but how would you like to be vomit yourself? The thing is, God didn't look down and pick someone who was incapable of doing his bidding. What they, feel, what they failed to realize and what we failed to realize is that God who made everything known to mankind, including mankind himself, knows even better than we know what we are capable of. Granted, not everyone has the same capabilities, but we all have some, and God expects us to use what he has given us. Not everybody in the Old Testament were prophets, and some of them God had to handhold on certain occasions, but God always knows what we can and cannot do. God has never made a no-talent person. We cannot foretell or prophesy what is to come, but in the sense that we have God's word and it is our responsibility to share it just as it is without any changes, we are prophets today. God went on to assure Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now God does not speak directly to us today, but he has told us not to be afraid. 2 Timothy 1 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Scripture makes no distinction between the authority of the words that God spoke directly and those that were spoken through his prophets. Everything that was said was considered to be the word of God because God was the ultimate source. He used ordinary humans and their ordinary language to communicate his word. Therefore, the words to, were to be obeyed. Now, another consideration for the word of God is Jesus himself. In John 1, 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. First, let's consider in the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of God? No. In Revelation 1, 4, this same John, addressing the seven churches and ages, greets them by saying, Grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come. God has always been, and God will always be. So was it the beginning of the church? No. We know that Jesus had walked this earth, finished his personal ministry as a human, was crucified, buried, and resurrected before the church was ever established. The beginning here in John 1 was the same beginning as we read about in Genesis. The beginning of the universe, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of time itself. Notice also that the inspired writer John did not say that the Word came about at this time. He plainly and with authority states that the Word was there with God. Not only was the Word with God, the Word was God. Verse 3 tells us the Word had a direct hand in everything that was created. In fact, it says that through Him everything was made, and apart from Him nothing was made. 
Dropping down to verse 14, we see that the Word was made flesh. This fleshly being of the Godhead lived among men, and those who saw him saw his glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father, and he was full of grace and truth. In Revelation 19:13, the Bible reads, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The description, the Word of God, is used only for God the Son, not the Father nor the Spirit. Jesus was the only member of the Godhead that as a human personally communicated God to humanity. There are only two references in the New Testament that refer to Jesus as the Word of God. We've seen the Word of God as that which God spoke or decreed. We've seen it as something God literally said to someone. We've seen it as being what was revealed from the prophets, and we've seen it as Jesus himself. Now let's look at it at his most commonly known, the Bible. What a wonderful blessing it is to have the Bible, God's revealed word. Have you ever thought about how good it is to be able to go into God's word and search for life's answers? It's like having God with you all the time. First, it tells us how all things came about, even us as humans. Our scientific friends give us this long spill about our universe and our existence that took billions of years to develop and is full of unanswered questions. But God spelled it out for us in the very beginning of his book. The Bible tells us about our God and all the attributes that he possesses. We can see God's power through his creation. We get a glimpse of his intelligence through the intricate design of the universe and also the human body. We see his faithfulness to his people as long as they adhere to his ways. We see his love for his creation in that he was willing to give his son to suffer and die for the whole human race. We see his patience in dealing with his chosen people when time after time they would forsake him and turn to their own selfish worldly ways. We see his attributes in the revealing of his plan for the redemption of sinful man. This plan emerges very early and continues through the whole of the Bible. We can also see God's attributes displayed in the lives of faithful brethren. This Bible, the Bible does teach us that we are to, to reflect God in our lives. When people see us, they should see a reflection of God's light shining in us. But even on our best day, we can in no way, form or fashion, exhibit God's attributes to the extent that He does. Everything that God does or is, is to the nth degree. In other words, perfection. Not only does God do something perfect, He is perfect. His love, His righteousness, His wisdom, understanding, patience, holiness, mercy, and even His justness is to perfection. Especially in the Old Testament, we can learn about the character of God. This book of Psalms gives us a lot of insight into God's character. Let's look at some of his characteristics, remembering that they mirror the perfection of his attributes. In Psalm 103, the Bible reads, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is his great mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. We can see from these verses that God is a being that you want to be in favor with. We deal with people every day. Some are admirable, dependable, trustworthy, and accommodating. Others are not. But there is no one we know that even on their best day even remotely exhibits the characteristics that God has. Yes, we can learn a lot about God from his word. The Bible also teaches us that even though we can know a lot about God, it is far beneath our mental capability to completely understand him. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now God is not telling us that we are not smart enough to understand him or his plan so that we might as well live life and do as we please. He just wants us to realize who he is and who we are and that he has provided everything we need to be successful, not only in this life, but even more so in the life to come, even though there are things that we are incapable of totally understanding. Besides revealing God's character and his plan of redemption for us, the Bible is also a deep source of comfort and encouragement. It tells us how to deal with our fellow men, even when they deal with us unseemingly. It gives us many examples of those who lived before us and the results of their lives, whether good or bad. It gives us the reason, the hope, the encouragement, stability, patience, fortitude, and knowledge to carry and strive on no matter what life throws at us. What a wonderful, thoughtful, marvelous source that our loving, kind, generous, righteous, and just Heavenly Father has provided us with. We've looked at five ways or means the Word of God is referred to. No doubt the Bible is probably the most common. But we must remember that no matter which way God's Word has been or is revealed, 
It is crucial that we understand that God is the source of said word, thus it should not be taken lightly. God made us and he has provided for us. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Word of God. What many people fail to understand or comprehend is that the Word of God will have a bearing on their eternity, whether they acknowledge and obey Him or not. See, the last thing we will hear just prior to our step into eternity will be God's words. Either come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, Matthew 25, 34, or depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. Which do you want to hear? As long as time stands and you are alive, you have an opportunity to choose. We can choose heaven by hearing, believing, and obeying, or we can choose the everlasting fire by ignoring, denying, or simply doing nothing. Right now is one of those opportunities. If you need to respond to Jesus in any way, please come now as we stand and sing.